Welcome to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, Episode 13. In the question bank, you can just specify like what organ system you want to be tested on. So I would just try to sort it as best I could with that. And then if a question came up that we just hadn't learned, I was like, okay, like just brush it off, keep going. Because I think a lot of people are like afraid to use those earlier in the semester because there's so many things that you haven't learned yet. And it can be discouraging when you like do 10 questions and you only got like, you know, four of them right or something, knowing that the other six you just haven't covered yet. You're listening to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, the playbook of those who dominated the USMLE. If you want to learn how to excel on Step 1 and get into the residency of your choice, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join the thousands of others who have mastered Step 1 concepts using physio.com. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today we interview Carol Foote, who is a second year medical student at the University of Utah. And to help me with this interview, I'm here with my co-host, Rhett Thompson. How's it going? It's going so good. I recently got back from a trip to San Diego Comic-Con. It was so much fun. I got to see my brothers. It's kind of like a family reunion thing. So I've got like three older brothers and we we just go to San Diego Comic-Con every year and it's so cool. I've been six or seven times now. In fact, that's evidence that I'm such a nerd that I'm losing count of how many times I've been to San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah, I think your nerd level increases every time you go there, right? I think it does. Yeah, I get a little bit more shameless. But I would like to mention that all three of my brothers also go every year. So I'm just going to drag them down with me. Also, <laughs> over 100,000, like I think it's like 120,000 people go each year. So I'm not alone as a nerd, but it's like a big nerd fest. Yep, it is. Most people are super cool and, and nice, but you also get like a higher density of people that don't shower for, for whatever reason. Like it's like, and I love them too. They're, they're part of the experience. I love it. But, um, so in some ways it's a confidence boost. I'm like, I'm a nerd, but, but still, you know, I'm just kidding. Everybody was super cool. It's, it's a fun time. Sounds awesome, man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's move on and introduce our guest for today. Like I mentioned a second ago, her name is Carol Foot. She is a second year medical student at the University of Utah. So she just finished her first year and is enjoying this blissful summer and now is about to go back into the thick of it. What I found most interesting about this interview was that everyone we've interviewed up to this point has taken step one. She hasn't yet. She's in the thick of it. And it's kind of cool to get someone's perspective who's like, you know, really in the weeds. And most of the people we have interviewed and will interview will have taken step one, but we thought it would be kind of cool to just bring on her, maybe a few other people and talk about the experience of what it's like to actually be in the thick of preparing for step one and dealing with coursework. So that's really the focus of this interview. And it was really cool. I think for those of you who are in her shoes, we'll get a lot of value from this episode. So with that, let's bring her on. All right, Carol, welcome to the show. We're super excited to have you here today. Thanks, I'm excited to be here. Like we do with all of our guests, you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you interested in medicine. Yeah, so my dad is actually a physician, which I think has a bigger influence than I care to admit going into college and stuff. And it was actually my senior year of high school. I took a year-long medical anatomy and physiology course from an old retired nurse and she was really awesome and I loved the course and that kind of sparked my interest in the sciences and potentially going to be pre-med when I started college. 
And then I did my first semester of college and I actually was a international studies major. And I took a couple pre-med classes and didn't do very well. I had a little bit too much fun that semester and was trying to make friends and joined a sorority and just had a lot going on and wasn't super focused on school. So at the end of that semester, actually my dad, and then I have an older brother who's very high achieving. They actually took me out to lunch and were like, Carol, like if you want to go to medical school, your GPA is not okay. And so you're going to need to like step it up. And I think they're just nervous that I was going to close doors for myself if I didn't really focus my freshman year of college. Cause I think a lot of people get low GPAs their freshman year and then that kind of hurts them for the rest of college. So at that point, I just decided to kind of put the pedal to the metal and focus a little bit more and really commit to getting into medical school. So I would say that winter of my freshman year of college was when I really was like, okay, like this is what I want to do. And so I just kind of went from there and did all the extracurriculars and took all of the science classes and really got excited about medicine. And then here I am. Awesome. So you partied a lot, had an intervention with your dad and your brother and then straightened up and then uh, started the the pre-med route and did well, obviously. You just completed your first year of medical school. So let's jump into that. Tell us about your first few days of medical school and, and what that was like. So my first couple of days and weeks were actually really hard. Like I said, I majored in international studies and I pretty much just did the bare minimum pre-med requirements. I mean, obviously I did fine in my classes. I did well in the MCAT, like made it to medical school. So I knew what I was doing in that sense. But going up against my classmates, a lot of them who had master's degrees or PhDs or had taken like advanced anatomy or advanced embryology, like they'd taken these classes that I just hadn't. Like I never even took um, anatomy in undergrad, which was definitely a regret when I started medical school because that was really a big learning curve to take the course load and then also learn all of the anatomy at the same time. So I would say the first couple of weeks were definitely me trying to figure out how to keep up. I don't think I realized how fast paced everything was until about like October when I was like, okay, like I actually really need to study and buckle down and I can't really do the same things that I did in undergrad because I feel like in undergrad, I was much more lax and like didn't have to try super hard to do well. Whereas in medical school, it's a different ball game and you really have to put in more effort and more time and you're competing against the smartest people ever. So that was really, I think the hardest part for me was just to push myself to get to the level where I could keep up and be with my classmates and feel comfortable going into tests and feel comfortable participating in class and things like that. That's interesting. You know, I've heard from a lot of people who are not science majors specifically that the first like year of medical school can be pretty tough just because they feel like they're peers kind of have a leg up on them on some of the basic science classes that they've taken beforehand. I know Rhett was not a science major. Did you experience any of that, Rhett? So I did sign language as undergrad and I did all the pre-med courses and everything, obviously, but there's a lot of courses that I just didn't do. And when you start medical school, and I'm sure you can echo this feeling, but you just have this imposter syndrome and you feel like everybody else around you is super smart. And then when you add on this fact, like, oh, they took classes that I did not take then it just adds to that nervousness. It's interesting that it all kind of smooths out. So a few thoughts. First, yeah, everyone kind of feels that imposter syndrome. And then another thing is, it's like so easy in undergrad for a lot of people who get into medical school because you feel like, I don't know, maybe a little bit smarter than some of your peers because it's not super hard to get into undergrad. But then when you look at medical school, you know, like 
they take the cream of the crop. You know, they, t- they take like the top 10% of students. So, you know, you're no longer up against these people who are average students. You're up against people who are incredibly intelligent. And maybe not up against is the best word to use. You know, I feel like sometimes in medicine, we're like competing with everyone. I think you tend to feel that way, especially at the beginning of medical school, but kind of towards my second year, or maybe a little bit before that, I started not to feel that way so much. You start to connect with your classmates and it doesn't really, at least for me, it didn't really feel so much like a competition. But I still can resonate with that sentiment that you might feel inferior to a lot of your classmates. And that's totally natural because you're up against like the top 10% of students. You know, you're in the same class with all these brainiacs and it can be kind of overwhelming. Yeah, and I think I just had to really like shift my mindset because in undergrad, I just was so focused on being the top of my class. And like the worst I would do in a class was like a B plus. And that was like, if I had a bad semester, a bad teacher or something happened, like I was never really worried about passing or failing or like any of these things. And I think when I started medical school, I went in with that mentality. I was like, oh, like I'll for sure be in the nineties. Like I'll be top, like I can do what I did in undergrad and be fine. And I think that first semester I started learning that I needed to just focus on how I was doing and the improvements that I was seeing throughout the semester rather than measuring myself against the average because I definitely felt like I went from like undergrad being like well above the average to medical school being like maybe at the average. And so just being able to be okay with that in that first semester I think was really hard for me. And luckily it helped that first semester is also like pass fail for us. So we weren't being ranked at all. And so that was nice to kind of take that pressure off. And just kind of figure out like how to study and how much time to put in and like how to take a test, like stuff like that. And actually like the other hard part I think was I started getting really bad test anxiety too, which I never had. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Like I need to do something to help that. And like I said, my dad's actually a psychiatrist. So he helped me a lot with test anxiety and the U has really good like wellness and academic success program. So that was good to utilize as well to make it through that first bit. Yeah, that's really nice. Good that you had those resources to to reach out and use. So you had mentioned anatomy, that that was kind of a, a struggle for you. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And what exactly did you do to overcome that challenge? Yeah, so I loved anatomy. I think it's, I mean, anatomy is amazing. I really liked being in the lab and I liked the like dissection part of everything. I thought that was awesome. I think the hardest part was that we already had such a heavy course load. And then it was like, it's like anatomy was like, it's separate thing. Like you have to like learn all this stuff and foundations, but then you also have to do your anatomy. And so with that, I think the thing that helped me the most was I had two really good friends who'd both taken anatomy and really knew what they were doing. And we would go into the anatomy lab, just the three of us at like 7 a.m. every, I think it was every Tuesday morning because we had quizzes on Wednesdays. And so we would just go in and like go through everything and they would quiz me and just like make sure that like we knew everything. So I think that helped me a ton in anatomy, just finding those two that were like patient with me and like knew what they were doing. We would all just like go through it together, like with no one else around. So that helped me a ton. And I think that ended up like making it a lot easier. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of previous guests have kind of echoed that just the power of having someone to bounce ideas off of and, you know, having like a study group. But I think for anatomy, it's especially important because a lot of the way, at least at the University of Utah, how we're quizzed is, you know, you, they, they pin something and then you just 
you have to know it. And so, you know, if you have like a, a study partner that's saying, okay, what's the structure? And they're kind of pointing at it and then you have to tell them it can kind of simulate the exam and be really helpful. So that's cool. Yeah. And I think anatomy is just different because there's not like really a resource for it, like an image demonic, like there's not like, you just have to learn it. You just have to go for it and know the structures and it's cool, but it definitely added just that much more stress, I think, to first semester. So after that was over, I it got a lot easier, I think. <laughs> you mentioned that early in that first semester, just so everybody knows, you're doing anatomy the first semester and you've got your study group and, and kind of catching up there and, and obviously did well, moved on to the next semester and, and completed your first year. And that first semester you mentioned is not graded, or I guess it's pass-fail, as it was for me and Michael, it's just a period of lots of experimentation. And so I'm curious what your experiments were like, like with what resources, kind of how you approached lecture and, and how you prepared for tests and just what your approach was during that time and how it evolved. Yeah. So I think in foundations, I definitely went to lecture every day. It's not required at the U. And so you can kind of pick and choose what you go to. But I've learned that I'm much better just like watching it in person, asking questions, like being with my classmates and then studying on my own. Um, I think finding a study group was really important during that time that I could really rely on and um, take forward into the next semester. I didn't really use that many outside resources that first semester because it's just so lecture heavy and you're really just tested on lectures. It's not as easy to like rely on a boards prep um, resource. And so I would say going into second semester, that's when I, you know, started using like Pathoma and I actually held off on Anki until like the later half of the semester, which is probably not something that a lot of people do, <laughs> but I just didn't know how to use it effectively. I think until like end of February, I would say it just takes a long time to figure out. Loved sketchy also. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of, you know, have, have that same mentality. And it, it's probably good because, you know, a lot of times, at, at least for the University of Utah, I'm sure a lot of other medical schools are similar, but usually the first semester is just kind of like this foundational course and, you know, you're just kind of getting the hang of things. And so it's probably not super healthy to be like hyper-focused on step one at that point. Um, but had step one crossed your mind? Were you really thinking about it much or not really? I mean, I wasn't thinking about it much, but it definitely was there. Like I remember during our orientation week, we had like a little spiel about step one and residency matching and like all these things. And I was like, whoa, okay. So this is like kind of the end all be all it sounds like, cause it was like, you know, the graph they show with step one scores and specialty and all those things. So I would say from the very beginning, it definitely is there. And I'm sure that's kind of how it is across the board at medical schools. But I feel like the U particularly has a big emphasis on step one. And so it's just kind of like contagious. Like when you have some classmates that are really focused on it, like everyone else hears about it and it's just kind of on everyone's mind from the beginning. Yeah. That's good. You didn't worry about it too much. It sounds like though, during the second semester, you started to think about it a bit more. You'd mentioned Pathoma and a few other resources. Why did you decide to start using those resources at that time? Yeah, I think at that point, I knew that lecture would be a little bit less valuable to our coursework than it was in the first semester. So I'd heard from second years that Pathoma was like really good because for us, that first like block in second semester is cancer and like cell biology. And so that's obviously a lot of pathology and 
learning all of like hematology, stuff like that. So it was good to have a really good pathology resource for that. That was pretty much it, I would say. I started using Boards and Beyond a little bit. I've never been a huge fan of it just because I feel like there's so many videos and feels like too much information or not enough information. So for that, I just feel like a lot of times I kind of zone out or like I'm doing other things. And so it's better for me to have like a little bit more like interactive, I guess, which is why I like Pathoma because I can like sit there with the book and like follow along and take notes and have that experience. That first like eight week block, mostly Pathoma, a little bit of Anki, and then all my course material. And then our second block was host and offense. So that's all of infectious disease. And that's when sketchy was pretty much the end all be all for me. I love sketchy. I'm like obsessed with it. I think I still like dream about sketchy. So I watched like, I think every video like pretty quick. I do really well with visual things and that just worked super well for me. And then also like the Anki deck that goes with it. There's one called... It's like LOL, not a cop. It's kind of a weird name, but some guy just like made it to go with all of sketchy. And so I used that with all the videos that I would watch. So that was really my main stuff for post and offense. And I definitely attended lecture less in that block as well, because I mean, there's only so much you can learn from sitting through a bacteria lecture. Like you kind of just have to do it on your own at some point, I feel like. Yeah, I think a lot of people have the same mentality and use a lot of the same resources. Pathoma is pretty gold standard for a lot of people. And then a lot of people definitely use Sketchy to learn microbiology. I'm interested how you decided to use those products. Like, did someone just tell you about them and then you thought, oh, I'll just try it out? Or, you know, how do do you decide to use a product and then not use another product? That's a good question. I think that a lot of it is word of mouth in the school. So I have a tutor who also is just kind of like a friend and she recommended a lot of products to me and the ones that she like said were for sure to buy were Pathoma and then Sketchy. And I think some of the other ones people have different opinions about, but those are the two that I think across the board people are pretty set on. And so that was why I started with those. I was like, I'm going to see how it goes with Pathoma in our first unit. And then like with Sketchy, Sketchy was great right off the bat. So I knew that I would like that, but it was kind of just trial and error. And I wish that like it was easier to try it out, but you just don't have time to really like try a bunch of resources. You kind of just have to find one and stick to it and make it work or else you're going to be wasting a lot of time at the beginning of each unit trying to figure out like how to study and that can hurt you in the long run, I think. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's powerful when you hear from somebody who's succeeded and is ahead of you and can give you some information on how they did things when they were in your position. And, and I think that's super helpful. And really that's the crux of this whole podcast is we want to help disseminate that information. Okay, so Pathoma and Sketchy and you used Anki. And I'm guessing you didn't use Picmonic or things like that, right? No, I didn't. I know some people did, but I think Sketchy has kind of taken over. I don't, I mean, I don't know about other schools, but I'm pretty sure everyone in my class used Sketchy over Picmonic. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it seems like Sketchy is really the popular one. But yeah, I think that a lot of people have that same feeling. And when you're taking a test and you just remember that image, you're like, oh my gosh, thank you, Sketchy. You know, and you just like send in prayers for Sketchy. Like you just saved me. And I think that's that's a powerful feeling when you feel like a resource helped you do well on exams. You had an end of year exam, correct? We sure did. <laughs> it was only a couple months ago for you. A little rough, yeah. <laughs> Still <Not> recovering. <laughs> a little bit. So tell me how you reviewed for that. Like in advance of that, you have to 
cover all the material from first year and be ready for that test. So it's almost like, in my mind, the closest thing to step one that you've experienced yet. And so I think this would be just an interesting insight into your experience studying for large exams. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So of course, you know, I have every intention to start studying. So that test was like, I think it was May 10th. And I was like, I'm going to start studying in April. Like I'm going to give myself plenty of time, like no stress, just like take it a chunk at a time and then I'll be ready by the time it comes. But of course that never goes as planned. And we're in the middle of infectious disease, which kind of takes a lot of time. And so I really didn't start studying, I would say until about two weeks before the test, um, once we'd kind of gotten through host and defense. And I think I could also justify that because the stuff we learned in host and defense was probably about 30% of what was on that final. So basically like studying for host and defense was studying for the final. But I was really scared because like I said, that first semester for me was hard. And that was what was half the test on the end of your final. And I didn't use Anki, like I didn't use any like really good method to review that semester. And so I basically had to go back and our school actually has like, they call it remediation objectives. So they gave us like a list of objectives that they covered in that course and that would be tested on. And so that was really nice. So I basically just like would sit down with those and work through each one and kind of test myself, like read the question, answer it as best as I could without looking at any resources. And then I would go in and like fill in the gaps to make sure that I was like solid on that subject. So I probably did that for like a week. And then the like three or four days leading up to the test I reviewed molecule cells and cancer course, went over a couple of host and defense stuff. And then I just did a ton of practice questions. I'm someone that needs to do a lot of practice questions. That's like one of the best ways that I learn. So oh, that's the other resource I didn't mention. Actually, I did a lot of question banks in second semester. But anyway, so I did tons of practice questions. And then I think you just kind of reach the point where you just need to take it and hope that you learned something over the course of the year. And that you can pass. And I did. It went fine. It was definitely a beast. It was like, I think, four hours, like 180 questions, something like that, on all subjects from the year. So it was definitely a challenge. I think that I was more anxious about it than I needed to be. And you just don't realize really how much you've learned in a year. Like the day before the test, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything. But then you take it and it's like, okay, yeah, like I learned this and I know this. So I think that that was like really encouraging and it gave me more confidence for step one, knowing that like I can take a big test. Yeah, it's definitely good practice for step one, even though it's kind of a nerve wracking exam. But it's cool that you passed and everything's good for now and now on to bigger and better things. You had mentioned that you used QBank or some QBanks during your second semester. Can you talk to us about that? And, you know, which one or which ones did you use and how did you go about using them? Yeah. So the main one that I used was the USMLE RX. And I think the trick with them is narrowing down the questions to be like actually pertinent to what you're learning. And so in infectious disease, I really learned that I used it the most because I think you know, sketchy gets you half the way there and then you have to be able to apply what you learn in sketchy. So, I mean, we did it kind of systems-based. So we would learn like all the like GI bugs and like respiratory bugs and stuff like that. And in the question bank, you can just specify like what organ system you want to be tested on. So I would just try to sort it as best I could with that. And then 
if a question came up that we just hadn't learned, I was like, okay, like just brush it off, keep going. Cause I think a lot of people are like afraid to use those earlier in the semester because there's so many things that you haven't learned yet. And it can be discouraging when you like do 10 questions and you only got like, you know, four of them right or something, knowing that the other six you just haven't covered yet. So use that a lot. And I would do it. So I would take the whole test under time conditions, like just do like 10 or 20 questions at a time. And then I would go back through each one and like go through each answer and make sure that I understood everything in each question and then spend extra time on the ones that I missed. So I think that was pretty effective. And then for the end of your exam, I just set the USMLERX question make like I did all the questions, but I put the difficulty level on like, I think on easy because our end of your test was just MBME, which are like typically a little bit more simple. So I just put it on easy and then I did, I think pretty much like all of those questions to make sure that I was solid. So just to clarify, you were doing infectious disease during your, you know, infectious disease block. And then you, when you said you selected them all, what do you mean? Did you, did you select like the entire QBank and you were just doing the easy ones of all the QBank? Yeah, just the whole QBank. Cause I mean, really that's like, you know, it's for step one, but with all the stuff that we learned in first semester, it's like a little bit of everything. So I think that was like a pretty effective way to do it. I mean, there's definitely things I hadn't learned, but for the most part, I think it helped. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, you know, to just kind of brush off the ones that you miss if it's something you haven't learned about. I remember going into those and thinking, ah, oh, you know, kind of feeling bummed that I had missed some because I, I kind of did what you did as well. But when you come across something about like the corticospinal tract and you haven't really learned about neuroanatomy yet, it's like, well, what's that? Yeah, it's discouraging. I think it really does keep people away from using it like early on because they're just, they don't want to see, see the bad scores, which is understandable. It can hurt your confidence for sure. Yeah. And I think that's just the challenge of trying to figure out when to use question banks. Cause I think there's so much value in it. And obviously it really helped you prepare for that end of your final. And then it's, it's cool to see that you were able to overcome that fear. Cause I could just see a lot of people just resist that for the very reasons you said. And, and I think that it's less clear how to use a question bank during the first year than the second year. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting period. And it's cool to have you on because everyone we've interviewed so far has been someone who's taken step one. So it's fun for us to interview you because you're kind of on the cutting edge of what students are thinking, what they're using, how they're thinking about step one right now. Maybe you could just share with us some of your thoughts going forward. You know, once you start up school again and you'll start your second year and then leading up to step one. What are you thinking about? What are you worried about? What kind of products are you thinking about using? Just tell us a little bit about your your strategy going forward. I will be honest, I was definitely going to think more strategy in the next couple of weeks before school starts. But off the top of my head, my really hard step one studying will probably happen in December. And I think that my goal for right now will be to not forget what I've already learned. So making sure that I'm reviewing my Anki cards from last semester and keeping that fresh because I think it'll be a lot easier when I'm doing dedicated in the spring. So that's number one. And then I think also obviously doing well in our upcoming classes because I've heard that they are pretty difficult. We're doing metabolism and reproduction and then cardiovascular, renal and respiratory in the fall. So I definitely want to do well on those and that'll only help me on step one. And then I think my other big thing for the fall, at least, we'll just be doing more questions, doing practice questions like all the time. And I need to do more research on this, but I think Kaplan has a good QBank. 
I've heard stuff about Amboss and then New Worlds will probably be during Dedicated. So yeah, those three things. Doing my Anki, not forgetting what I already learned, doing well in my classes, and then doing practice questions. So that hopefully when I am in January, kind of thinking a little bit more towards step one. I mean, obviously I'm thinking about it now a lot, but learning my classes in the context of step one, that's what I'm going for. Like while I'm learning the stuff for MNR and CRNR, putting that in the context of the test and learning it to take the test rather than to just learn it. And so having that mindset, I think is really important in the upcoming semester. I think that's a really logical approach. You recognize that you're starting your second year of medical school and have been told that the content is harder, comes a little bit faster, and you're getting into deep pathology. And I think just taking the approach of recognizing that you've got to figure out that year and the courses first, and then later really dig deep into step one content. And I think you said it best that learn the course material in the context of step one framework. I think that's really intelligent. And all the people that we've interviewed do some variation of focusing on classwork or focusing on step one. And wherever they fall on the spectrum, they all really understand the material, whether or not they really emphasize coursework or step one prep material, you know? So that makes sense. Do you have an idea of when you're going to start using question banks? Are you going to continue the Rx when you first start this next year? Yeah, I think I'll continue the Rx for class work for sure, because that's worked well for me in the past. But I also, I think I'm kind of getting to the end of it. Like I've done so many of those questions, especially while I was studying for the end of year one final. So I think fall will also probably be Amboss and Kaplan. I need to do more research on like pros and cons of those and like what's going to get me the farthest. And then U-Worlds during Dedicated will definitely be the main thing, I think, to really hammer it down. Sounds like a good strategy. I think a lot of people have done similar things and have done well on step one. Most people seem to use, if question banks work well for them, they use Rx, they use Kaplan, and they use U-World. I haven't heard a ton about Amboss. I know it's a little bit newer to the scene. I've heard mixed reviews with it, for sure. So I don't know if I'll end up using it, but some people seem to like it. Others, I've heard it's like almost too hard which I don't know if that's possible, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, certainly felt that way when I started UWorld. Like, wow, this is a step up. You know, I'd been doing RX for a while and I got to the UWorld questions and I was like, dang, these are significantly harder than RX. It's kind of discouraging at first, but anyways. Well, cool, Carol. That sounds like a, a really good strategy. We wish you the best. I think you have a lot of good things going for you. And I think if you continue doing what you're doing, that you'll do well. Any last words of advice that you'd like to give to someone who may be trying to get into medical school or is maybe starting their first year of medical school right now? So I think, first of all, finding out what works for you academically is key and to do that as quick as you can, because I think I waited too long to really like nail down my study strategies. And I wish that I'd taken that a little bit more seriously in the beginning. And then I think my other piece of advice is that Yes, step one is super important. It kind of determines your future, but there are other things. And I think that a lot of times it's hard to get past that. And especially in my class, I see people that are just so obsessed with step and like, that's literally all they do. Like onking 24 seven, talking about it 24 seven. And I think it's important to remember why you're in medical school and why you want to be a doctor. And that's not step one. 
I was volunteering in the HIV prep clinic a couple weekends ago. And I really liked this little metaphor that the doctor there told me. And he was like, when you get into medical school, it's like buying a house. Like you could have friends over, you get to entertain, like it's a great place to live. You can do everything there. And that's like medical school. But step one is like cleaning the toilet. You have to clean the toilet in the house. It's just something you have to do. You can't get around it. it has to happen. And that's kind of how standardized testing is. Like it's not fun. It's not why you buy the house. Like it's not why you're in medical school. It's just something you have to get through. So that's kind of been my mentality, which I don't know if that's like kind of negative, but I think just remembering that like step one is something that has to happen. It's something you have to get through and do well on. But at the end of the day, like that's not why you are in medical school or why you become a doctor. So it's important to just keep those values and keep your reasons why in the back of your mind as you have your first years of medical school. I think that's great advice. It's a great perspective. You know, I think as medical students, we tend to be overly competitive and sometimes overly focused on step one. And I think that focusing more on why you're in medicine and the patient interaction and the academic side of things that you enjoy is a really healthy approach. But you still have to do well on step one. So <laughs> it's like it's like the double-edged sword for sure. <laughs> it is. I love that analogy. I'm going to think about that all the time and repeat it as often as I can. Have that house, enjoy that house, but have the cleanest effing toilet ever. <laughs> yeah. And not, you don't have to worry about it. And someone's going to inspect the toilet. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and like, I think also it's like, it doesn't end at step one. Like then you have step two and like you have boards all through your career. So it's just kind of part of medicine uh, for better or for worse. But I don't think that's changing anytime soon. So I think it's just one of those things where you do what you can, have a good attitude, get through it and then keep going. So yeah. Obviously, I'm looking forward to more patient care and less testing, but I'm looking forward to this second year too, because I feel like it's like being a sophomore versus a freshman in high school. Like it's just, it's going to be better. It's just more fun. Like, you know, more people, you know what you're doing. There's less pressure as far as like feeling out, I would say. So it's all good. It'll be good. And that's so true. The tests just seem to never end in medicine, right? (laughs) I remember coming back to third year you know, after we'd finished step one and we, we had like this orientation thing and they sat us all down and they were like, Hey, this is kind of how third year goes. And it ends up being like a mini step one for every clerkship because it's a, it's a standardized test. And I was just, I felt so overwhelmed. Like, are you kidding me? I have to like go to work in these clinics for like 60 to 80 hours a week. And then at the same time, be like studying for a mini step one. Anyways, it's, it's good times. So got to, Keep scrubbing away at that toilet. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Carol. We really appreciate your time and we look forward to hearing about your experiences in the future. So best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to go to our website at physio.com to check out our growing library of free step one videos. You can also find our physio group on Facebook to join our growing community of students preparing for step one. If you've been enjoying the episodes and have been getting value from the content, here are three easy ways that you can support us. One, press the subscribe button on the platform you're listening to this on. Two, leave us a review. To do that, just go to physio.com slash podcast. Three, find your friends who are in medical school or interested in medical school and tell them about the podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time.